Welcome back to the Gibbs Spotlight. I'm Camille Germany, assistant to the directors at the Gibbs College of Architecture. Joining me today is interior design faculty member, Dr. Suchi Bhattacharji. Dr. Bhattacharji is an associate professor and graduate liaison in the, in the interior design division at the Gibbs College of Architecture. She has been teaching in the interior design division since 2013, and her research interests include sustainable design and construction, indoor environmental quality, aging in place, and design pedagogy. She serves on many committees for the division, college, university, and national organizations for both the interior design and construction science disciplines. Hi, Suchi. It's so great to have you here today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm great. It's so good to talk to you today. Same here. Can you tell me a little bit about your education background and the driving forces that led you to your career in academia? Sure, sure. So uh, since my very childhood, I had a creative bend of mind. So building and design in general fascinated me since my early years. And uh, upon completing my undergraduate degree in architecture from India, I moved to U.S. for my graduate education. So uh, completing my master's in construction management from Michigan State University, I, following that, I pursued Ph.D. in environmental design and planning from Virginia Tech. So uh, while working with my professor on different research projects at Michigan State University, I got interested in sustainability, and that's when I learned more about how our buildings can have a strong impact on the environment. So with the urge to learn more about it and to give back to the community, because that is something I always had in my mind that I need to give back, like somehow I have to use my education to give back to the community. So in order to do that, I decided to pursue my doctorate degree. And then while working on my PhD, I had the opportunity to teach some classes as teaching assistant. And then that got me thinking that this is exactly what like, I, I love to do and I want to do for the rest of my life. So the, the whole reason why I came to academia is I liked that as an educator, I have the opportunity to work with these young minds, educating them about design and how the design can influence the health, safety and welfare of not just the people and their occupants, but can have a long lasting impact on the environment and the community at large. So in addition to that, another thing that I liked about this profession, this academia as an educator, the flexibility of the profession as a whole. So on one hand, just like we have the opportunity to work with these young mind and prepare them for the future of the industry, we educators also have the opportunity to work for the betterment of the society, be it through our research or community engagement service projects that we do. So I feel like as an educator, I, have, I can have a broader impact on the community as a whole using uh, my education and background and help and improve uh, the community. Yeah, that's great. That's what drived me into what I'm today. Yeah. So when you started working at the Gibbs College of Architecture, what interested you the most about um, OU and the college? So one thing which when I first came here um, to visit OU, I met with uh, the interior design uh, division director at that time. 
um, Professor Maya Kyle and also uh, Dean Budzer, like he was the director of uh, architecture at that time. Now he's the dean. So I, I met with them. And one thing that I got really excited about was the, the, all the stories that I learned about interdisciplinary collaboration that uh, happens in this college. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, my formal education that I talked about, as you can see, it's very diverse. I have like started with architecture, moved into construction, worked in the construction industry a little bit, and then got into the environmental design and planning uh, program. That's where I got more closely into the interior design program as well. So with all that diverse uh, background that I had, uh, it encouraged me to value collaboration among or within the various disciplines. In our college, in Gibbs College of Architecture, I think what I, I found the most uh, interesting is that this college provides a platform to foster interdisciplinary collaboration. And also, uh, if you look around in the nation, it, there are not that many architecture colleges where you will see so many built environment related disciplines housed under the same roof. And I think that gives us uh, like one uh, opportunity there that we get to interact, not just like, I don't just get the opportunity to interact and collaborate with colleagues, but I also have the opportunity to interact with students across several disciplines. And I think uh, that that is something. And also I see where my students get an opportunity to interact with students of other disciplines. And I think that is uh, something I really value. Um, the secondly, the emphasis that our college have on, the, on to engage students in community outreach projects, that is another thing that I strongly support. And I was interested in that from the very beginning. So since I started here, I've engaged my students, uh, like the students in my studio courses with several such outreach projects. So these were, these I would say, like in addition to several other things, these are the two main things that I feel like I value the most in this college and that what keeps me going and why I want to continue working here. Yeah, those are such unique aspects about the college. That's a really neat opportunity for both um, researchers and students and teachers. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. So I've had the pleasure of officing right next to you, and I could always see and hear your passion for teaching and the care you have for your students. It's so obvious that you expect great things from your students. Can you talk a little bit about your teaching philosophy and how you help students meet their full potential? Sure. So, well, yeah, while, while you were in that office, you, you have surely noticed the in and out of constant flow of students in and out of office. <laughs> so basically what I'm going to tell you next is, is why I have that or why I, I kind of encourage my students like I have an open door policy and why I do that and why I yeah. encourage my students to come and talk to me and, uh, and discuss more. So, well, my teaching philosophy is very deeply rooted in my own experience as a student. And it imbibes uh, from the basic principles that students should be fully engaged in the instructional process and that learning, it's, it's an ever-evolving process. So... 
with that in mind, some of the primary teaching objectives and principles that I follow, I'm just going to talk about those primary ones. The first thing in my mind is setting a standard for expectation. So the first thing I do is as soon as I, whether I'm working with a, a graduate student uh, in helping them develop their thesis or project and working uh, as a committee member or as a chair with them, or whether I'm teaching an undergraduate class, whatever it is, the moment I come into any such uh, um class or interaction with a student where there I set a standard and I set the standard for expectation for my students so that they know exactly what I am expecting from them and what they can expect from me. So I prefer to clearly communicate what was expected or what is expected from the students and how I will play an integral part in giving everyone a fair chance to achieve the course objectives and be successful. So I think as an, as an educator, it is important that I be clear and set a standard and let the students show that, that my performance is also an integral part. And this is the standard that I am going to perform at and I expect my students to perform at. In addition to that, the other important thing is making that connection uh, so making the connection between me, me and my students, and not just that, the second thing is between the student and the profession and what I'm teaching them. So helping them or like developing that connection is, is important because interior design, as you can see, it's a very creative field. And at the same time, it is very closely grounded to reality. So I believe before introducing any new information to the students, I feel like it is very important to teach them about the application of that knowledge in the profession. Because without good knowledge about the application, sometimes my students have a hard time connecting uh, and making that connection. So as an educator, it is important uh, for me to bridge that connection between the theoretical knowledge and the practical application that happens in the field. And hence, with the use of these several field trips that I do, I take my students to active job sites or even existing buildings. Um, I do a lot of those as part of whether I'm teaching a, a lecture-based class or a, um, like a studio. I kind of use that as a tool to draw that connection between the actual profession and also the theoretical knowledge that I'm giving them. And then um, another important thing, what I feel is important as for us as educators is to set a classroom atmosphere that uh, fosters learning. So I believe in positive energy in the classroom and studio. And I think that is necessary for creating and motivating, which is the key to engage students in effective learning. So setting that atmosphere is important. And also the last thing, but which is the most important, I think, is building confidence in my students. So as an educator, I don't just feel that it's my responsibility to give them the knowledge, but I think it's my responsibility to make them confident that the knowledge that they now have is something that takes them an edge over what they were before. So 
valuing the knowledge and having the confidence in them i encourage students like when they are talking about their design i kind of encourage them to defend their work like when they do uh, mistakes or let's say they did something differently than the norm and i'm telling them that this is not that's something you will normally find i on the other hand while i'm giving them that information i also encourage them that respond back and defend your design and that too in a logical fashion so that that builds that confidence in their in themselves that the work they are doing does have that value and they have a reasoning why they are proposing that particular design or why they are doing what so so basically it's it's kind of in a nutshell it's basically in in addition to giving them the information i'm also setting up or fostering um like an environment that would prepare them for the future yeah yeah um it's great to hear how you interact with students and how you engage with them with different projects and everything i'd love to hear about a completed project that you're most proud of well so um like i mentioned before that i have a strong passion for community engagement efforts so during my tenure here at ou i had the opportunity to engage my students in several such projects and the project that i'm most proud of and it was one of uh, the projects that my students did just last year in 2019 it was the redesign of the first christian science church in norman so uh, i was teaching the id sophomore students and um, and also i had couple of first professional graduate interior design students in the same studio and uh, so the the responsibility of the students were to provide design ideas for the renovation of the first church of christ scientist in norman and this church is ded- dedicated to teaching of christian science to the residents of norman the church was built in 1941 and then they just had one basic renovation since 1941 of changing some kind of upholstery and carpeting but other than that the original design is from the 1941 and it was built after the mother church that's in boston massachusetts so um the students were challenged uh with certain uh, parameters that they had to address in their new design. So I'm not going to get too deep into them but some of the major ones of those were like the heavy sun exposure that the church had and because of that they had all the uh, like the carpets got faded the upholstery in the pews got faded and then also um the few other important challenges they had was the lack of connection between the Sunday school and the main church. and also lack of accessibility so they had a ramp but still the ramp was steep and it's it's not as accessible for wheelchair users or even elderly people so um so basically those were some of the bigger challenges that the students uh, had to address in their new design and of course their new design had to reflect the history and uh, and all of that include all of that in like incorporate that in their design so they got like i took the students to the site visit they got to in, not just see the current uh, church 
uh, in its current state, but also they got to interact with the board. And then uh, throughout the process of their design, they worked very closely with the board. And then when they finally presented their design, the board was um, like four people from the board came and um, to our college and then our student got the opportunity to present to them and so basically uh, now they the board was so excited with these design different design ideas that they have received so now they are evaluating them and uh, i was recently contacted uh, by uh, one of the board members and she was asking if we could give them some color way options in some of the design ideas that they have received from the student and that's what like I, I really felt proud that now I can see that some of those that our students did has now going to have a direct impact and it's it's going to be there so it's like it, it's not just these projects did not just give like a first-hand exposure to my students but also it showed or to the community, I feel like we did something for the community. And it it, it gives, like, it, it creates a sense of bonding. Yeah, they can feel good about it and feel proud about their work that they'll probably be able to go point to. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm also really fascinated by the study you're conducting in the Vickery Meadow community of Dallas, Texas. And I kind of want to know all about it. Okay, so before I like get into the details of that research project, I I mean um, I should give you a little background about the refugees here in U.S. Yeah. So um, refugees face a lot more challenge during their settlement in a new country or a society than any other immigrant. So. Um, as an immigrant, we have uh, the challenge that we are coming into a new community where there is new culture, the culture that is different. So we have to adapt to that and also share some of uh, the uh, the original vernacular, bring some of that vernacular culture in. So in addition to all those challenges that a regular immigrant faces, I think the refugees have some additional challenges which can be related to all the traumatized uh, events that they go through in their own country or even, you know, their journey that they go through the transit countries to come to to where they are now. That's very perilous. I mean, they go through a lot. So the refugees in the United States often experience more obstacles in cultural accommodation and community life and hence uh, often they benefit considerably from uh, the like the support that they get from these social work organizations for resettlement. So their living conditions are not as good always as we would expect. So which can be related to, of course, their lack of stable income when they first come in. Their housing conditions are degraded and they are um, deviating from the acceptable norms of health, as we would expect. And also that sometimes places the inhabitants in jeopardy of poor health. So with that, and I had the opportunity to closely work with uh, the social work department here at uh, OU. And I know uh, two of uh, the faculties from there and they are really good. I'm really good friends with them. And 
I first saw how they were working with this community in Vickery Meadow and they were um, trying to develop the, like working with the community there and developing uh, these social work organizations and giving them the information that this community was needing. So while discussing with them, it came to my mind and they were talking about how the living conditions were. And then I had a chance to visit that community one like three years ago. And that's when I was like, you know what, I think this is like an ideal opportunity for me as a designer to do something for this community. So with that, we kind of started working on grants and got some money. Uh, Our overarching goal for this project is to develop a healthy, low-cost living solution for these refugees in the Dallas metropolitan area. So, uh, In order to do that, we started with conducting several focus group interviews and we visited their uh, current homes to gain better understanding about their living conditions. So the focus for the specific study that I'm working on right now is to identify the expectations of these refugees. Like Like what is the expectation when they come to this country? So are they getting what they are expecting or is it like, like their physical living condition, is that what they are uh, really looking for or are they wanting more and how can we give it to them? So the like in order as a researcher, I further like understand the social and the behavioral issues that influence the cultural accommodation. So I started digging more deep into that. Uh, and of course, I'm doing uh, this work with my colleagues from social work together. It's basically a collaborative project. So Dallas County is the second largest resettlement area for refugee in Texas. So hence, we chose the Dallas County and then Vickery Meadow community is because it is one of the largest refugee community in the Dallas metropolitan area. So uh, we used that community for the pilot testing of this study. And uh, I'm going to give you just a little idea of some of the data that we gathered from there. So when we when we were ex- visiting their current home, certain things that we noticed is their current living condition was way below the expected normal. I mean, um, they don't understand what indoor environmental quality is about. Basic, inf- basic uh, facts like changing... Uh, indoor air filters. They don't know about those. In fact, uh, certain products that should not be used in the interior, especially when you have kids at home, they are not aware of those. So we felt like awareness was one of the, in addition to the lack of income and the economic condition and accessibility to um, information. I mean, they didn't have enough information to act the way they should for the betterment of their indoor living condition. So uh, upon us asking them about their expectation, we felt like they appreciated their living condition because what they have been through, this is way better than what they have seen in the past. So when we are talking about safe drinking uh, water, they feel like, This is way better than what they have seen. Their safety and security. I mean, in normal circumstances, if we go to Vickery Meadow area, we would be worried about safety and security. And I think the community there is also 
um, like considering like there is actually a project i think they are looking into the safety and security of that area but to these people i think they are happy with what they have they are content with what they have and the main thing that i noticed is the hope for their children's future is their primary goal i mean they are all about their children getting the best education and they are proud of their children's performance in school and when we were asking them questions about their living condition they were yes they were talking about those but they were more excited to show those certificates on the wall and talk about them and that was really touching i mean as parents i feel like they are just all they care about and all this moving uh, to this country is not just for themselves but it's for the future generation and then the other fascinating thing that we noticed is in addition to living in these um, apartments or some of them even bought houses they they had a sustainable living i mean way more sustainable life i would say and thinking about the environment that than i do i mean they would simplest thing they would never use a dryer they would air dry their clothes they grow their own foods now some of that growing their own foods and raising some animals it comes from what they have seen growing up and also some like one of the person told me that growing their own food it feels like it's more economical for them and another thing what i noticed was rainwater harvesting to water their own uh, for irrigation purpose i mean they were doing rainwater harvesting in their own little way with tons of buckets all around their porch and porch and patios collecting rainwater and reusing them for irrigation i mean those were certain things it's like they just figured it out themselves and living a sustainable so those were really really uh, exciting so i mean we have a long way to go we still have a lot to do in this uh, area but those were some of the things that we learned and i feel like there is a lot we can learn from them as well sure yeah that's an amazing collaborative project i'm so excited to hear more about how it goes as it continues yes i mean i'm looking forward to it even more yeah So what would you want alumni and future interior designers to take away from your work here at OU? So uh, be it interior design or any other program in the college, I think it is very important for our students to understand that the primary goal of our profession should be health, safety, and welfare of not just the people and user of our building that we design, but also the environment and community at large. along with designing aesthetically pleasing and functional spaces as designers we should also evaluate the effect of our work on the environment and design is not just about aesthetical and functional components of a space and structure but also how that space or structure performs for people and the environment we need to consider the wellness of the community and how our design can promote social equi- equity at local regional and global scale so uh with that uh, another thing i want to point out that the ac industry is not getting easy we are attempting to build complex spaces 
and trying to meet increased demands for clients. Now, these complex projects need to draw upon the professionals from various disciplines and use their expertise and skill. The designer can play the critical role of being an integrator, I feel. Now, this will require the designers to be informed of the various fields and they should be able to communicate, collaborate, and also build trust among these stakeholders. Now, uh, by collaboration here, I'm not just referring to the disciplines that are related to the built environment, but also disciplines from outside the built environment like psychology, anthropology, social work, etc. So those were those are the two main things that I feel like our students should keep in mind as they graduate from this college and go out and work in the community. Sure. Yeah. What do you see yourself doing in the next five or 10 years to aid in the development of future interior designers? So if the last 10 years are of any indication, I expect the interior design industry to be remarkably evolving and different in the coming 10 years. Because uh, once this, this interior design profession, which was once reserved largely for selective projects, Interior design will eventually become an integral part of almost every project. So this will require future interior designers to be more involved in wide variety of projects. When uh, So I keep that in mind when I'm doing that. So when I'm finding projects for uh, my students, for studios, I try to expose them to projects of varying type, scope, complexity. And secondly, the level of the complexity of the projects will also be increasing as are the expectations of the clients. So as future designers, I think our students need to master these digital tools for completing these complex projects. Now, having said that, our program as a whole has um, like increasing, like basically we have a focus on these design softwares and visualization tools. And we try to update that to meet the, like we think of what the future of this industry can be. And accordingly, we try to uh, introduce our students to the state of the art digital tools, including virtual reality, augmented reality and all that. And also um, with all this technological improvement in the coming years, our originality will become all more important. So to be successful, future interior designers will still need to have a strong base in design principles and be able to understand and deliver according to the needs of the clients. So I emphasize nurturing the originality of their design thoughts among my students. And then, in addition to that, let technology help them in showcasing their design intent. Suchi, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for everything you do to encourage and inspire students and build healthier and safer communities. It was so good to talk to you today. Same here. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Gibbs Spotlight. Tune in next time to hear more stories from the Gibbs College of Architecture. 